Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is stuck with me for another Formula One episode. I guess we'll start by looking at this past weekend at Circuit of the Americas, talk a little bit of news afterwards if there's anything, and then no racing this weekend, so we get a get a weekend off. But Matt, before we even get to the top five, if you were to describe the U.S. Grand Prix in three words or less this year, how would you describe it? It was electric. I don't know if we need to start doing a dance now. But um, this is a horrible dad joke. I think yeah, the, I was going to ignore it. Well, you usually, you have to keep me honest and call me out on those. <laughs> yeah, I think the race itself was okay. It had a, definitely a captivation with the strategies and will he, won't he catch him, things like that. But the weekend was awesome just to see the huge amount of fans there, to see such an engagement for Coda, which is a track that we thought was going to go bust last year to now. I mean, all signs point it to being a marquee American event for years to come. I mean, it's on the grid next year pending the contract approval. And I'd say this last weekend, it's a good indication that hopefully that gets straightened out because it's pretty apparent, you know, fans are definitely interested into it. And I don't know if we're going to talk about this later, but those ticket prices for Miami Ooh. look pretty steep. So if I'm choosing between Austin, Texas, which is a city on the rise in Texas, which you know has its ups and downs and other cool parts of Austin, I think you know if I'm choosing that or Miami, which I'm not the biggest warm weather guy. I mean, Austin's not exactly cold, but Miami's a different animal sometimes. I'm probably going to go with uh, Austin. If that's me, yeah. You know, before today, I would have said, "Listen, I've I love Austin. I've been there a bunch, but I don't know. Miami seems pretty cool. I've only been there once, and I was really just working for a couple of days. But uh, we'll we'll save that for we'll save that for later. My my answer would be, I can't. I don't think I can fit this in three words either. But great crowd, meh race. I think the championship battle, the one two of the undercut by Verstappen a couple of times very exciting obviously didn't really play out with a battle at the end there although it was obviously very close but the rest of the race was kind of just eh, average at best but nonetheless Verstappen won he now leads by 12 Lewis Hamilton second Perez third Leclerc fourth Daniel Ricciardo fifth and the only the only thing I can think of from this race that is worth I mean there's not a lot to discuss other than okay there's two things I have first do you think that Verstappen's aggressive jolt to the left on the start was the right move after Hamilton got an electric start or do you think he could have maybe slid in and and you know focused on the remainder of the corners there in that first section and and had a better jump he has got every right to defend that spot and however he sees fit as long as he doesn't you know, shove him off the track or make contact or anything like that. So to me, he had every right to push for it. It's a, you know, a pivotal moment in the race. And as it turned out to be a pretty pivotal moment because, you know, Lewis led the first 13 laps, yeah. pitted, Max got the overcut on it or undercut on him. Um, so, but you know, that forces Red Bull's hand into trying a new strategy, which, you know, played out later in the race too. 
So getting the lead on lap one is of paramount importance. So for me, Verstappen needs to defend like hell to try to keep it, and I have no issue with anything he did there. No, I don't have an issue. I feel like there was something better he could have done than going far left and taking himself kind of out of the apex of the turn, but it doesn't really matter because he won the race in the end, so there's really no point in debating it. Point number two, Nikita Mazepin had a complete i mean probably the worst race of this the worst individual performance of the season now in lap one he had to pit because his headrest was coming out and he couldn't see his mirrors like okay fine i i understand that he said the race was boring and painful but what really gets me really i i actually have trouble getting through this point because it's so maddening is he said it's human error. So he's blaming his team that his headrest comes off. Like, okay, maybe it, it wasn't secured incorrectly, but to throw your team under the bus, if I was a crew guy on that team, especially the one with the headrest, I would I put like Icy Hot on his headrest the next race or the next time he's in the car or something like that. Just a little F you because I just think it's completely unacceptable to blame your team for something like that. Devil's advocate, is he wrong? Well, you know, our our pal Gunther Steiner said the problem was the locking pins did not engage when the headrest was pushed back during pre-race grid preparations. So, I listen, could it be partly human error? Maybe, but I don't think talking about that publicly is is I don't I, listen. You've already you're already in enough shit this year. Why don't you just go talk to the team privately and go, "Guys, what happened?" like you, that doesn't need it's just unnecessary i don't know i actually might disagree with you on that one i mean that's fair you're allowed to disagree i mean your point is wrong it's weird but. yeah it's it's a weird feeling <laughs> i mean to me i think both can be warranted depending on the situation now for something as trivial as this maybe not but to me sometimes in order for your message to get across maybe a little more clearly especially with and I'm not a massive pin defender by any means, but you know, if the reports are true that he does have like the second rate chassis and I thought that got resolved at some point in the middle of the year. Right. But it's just like a culmination of those things. Like if he's getting like second rate treatment, despite bankrolling the whole operation and this, that the next thing, and then you start the race and your headrest comes off because it wasn't screwed incorrectly or is a faulty part. And I'm assuming that part probably costs $5. On a <laughs> multi-million-dollar machine, uh, for that to cost you thirty seconds to me is kind of bullshit. So I I think that it's warranted in certain situations to do both to so talk about it privately, but also maybe throw a quote in there so that it really tries to get the attention of everybody and know that you're not here to just ride around. But splitting the middle between my original point and your point, maybe we could have just said it in a slightly more respectful way like listen i know the guys are trying hard but you know things no okay don't sugarcoat it okay boo okay fair all right do we have do we have anything else i'd be terrible at all that (laughs) (laughs) see these guys and like yeah that's like another point it's just like can we go on another rant about the media is these like self-serving answers that they expect from they ask a driver a question like i'm sure when mazepin was asked Right. They probably were going to get the ESPN answer of, oh, guys try hard. Kind of like what you said. Guys are trying hard and things things happen, blah, blah, blah. And then 
everybody gets to pat themselves on the back for what a great answer that is. And same with like football and any sport, basketball, any sport. You know, I think UFC is like the one exception, which I think is hilarious. I know nothing uh, about you know, that. You ask a you ask a fighter in a press conference in a UFC press conference what they think about something, they're gonna tell you what they think, even if you don't want to hear it. So. I would love to see like a more toned down version of that. You know, we don't need to be cussing every three seconds in a press conference, but I think to me, I would love to see more of those kinds of things, not to like a childish degree, but I I respect when drivers are at least honest and say like, yeah, team messed up. Yeah. This person messed up. Yeah. That guy just wrecked me off the track and it was really unprofessional things like that. Respect. Otherwise I don't think we have really anything. Oh, we're missing one. Okay, go ahead. So, where do you fall on celebrities being allowed <sighs> on the grid before a race? Oh, Christ. <laughs> I, the only reason I didn't mention that is because I'm so tired <laughs> from the... It's been like 24 hours. Exactly. Of just that. Yes, exactly. I have no problem with it. I don't care if they know everything about racing or nothing about racing. If it brings new eyes to the sport great if it you know, brings people even just an appreciation for the sport and maybe they tune in once in a while awesome i don't even care if the celebrity doesn't stay a big fan of racing afterwards maybe some of their fans will so i think uh, i'm sorry what, what was her name again megan the, the stallion am i megan the stallion yeah yeah so i i think she was actually kind of nice and her one the the blonde haired bodyguard got a little bit rude and Draco Malfoy. Yeah. <laughs> Draco Malfoy got a little rude and I don't really I mean listen, they should have probably been better prepped on what to expect on, on a on a on a motorsports grid if they weren't, but that's really the only issue. Otherwise I don't I don't care. I don't care if I don't know, insert random celebrity wants to you know, if they pay for an appearance or they make an appearance whatever it's cool with me i love a couple years ago god who was it it was at barber the channing channing tatum Tatum was at barber and i got like multiple multiple text messages from many lady friends and my mother like can you can you give channing tatum a hug for me i was like no that's kind of uncomfortable but like that stuff is really cool to me you get an opportunity to hug Channing Tatum. You take it. I'm not. I don't care who I'm you not are. saying you're wrong. I'm just saying, like at the time, like I, you know, I was trying to be professional. Weird, I know, but yeah, not don't like that. Hug him next time. Okay. You get one shot at this. Channing, if you're listening, I would like a hug. Channing, if you're listening, please sponsor us. Also, no, you're not listening. Also, <laughs> that. All right. Yes. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Oh, of course. Go on. So. First of all, I didn't think we'd be in this position in 2021 where we'd be going to bat for Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah, I've I've never even listened to her music. I know who she is, but I don't listen to it. Well, I guarantee you've probably heard her songs. I know I have. I I know. Like I said, I've I've heard them, and I know who she is. I don't I don't seek it out. There are lyrics I could say. No, no, no. I'd like to remain on the yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't go there. Please don't go there. (laughs) So. I just want to say that by all accounts of eyewitness accounts and what we saw just with the black and white footage, that it wasn't necessarily her who was like, shoo, shoo, go away. 
I think we can all kind of agree that it was when I you said bodyguard. I'm pretty sure Draco Malfoy was not a bodyguard. Probably a PR or publicist of some kind. Um, if that dude's my bodyguard, I'm I don't know. I think I might be in trouble. Uh, I think the f- the first guy that was walking past was the bodyguard because he looked like he could handle Shaq. So I think it was not her fault that that was awkward, the whole encounter. The second part is I think like, hope I'm saying her name right, Devin Altieri yeah. and a couple other people who we really like came to bat on social media and said that, you know, it is important and also kind of like marketing 101 to have influencers and celebrities and whatnot come to the race because that increases exposure, that increases views, clicks, everything. And the common theme was gatekeeping should not be a thing in racing. Correct. I think we can all agree that that's probably right. I don't think uh, we should be shooing people away because they don't know who the Sky Sports and multiple Formula One starter Martin Brundle is. Like, that's, to me, ridiculous that someone should need... Like, obviously, it might be a good pointer to be like, hey, heads up, if you see this guy walking around and sticks a mic in your face, just say hi. Also, I don't think Brundle's not getting... Brundle should be getting more grief for his question. Like, do you think she really had a rap on cue? It it was a little bit of an odd question, yes. I know she's talented, but, like, I... If I was a rapper at a race, I would be there to enjoy the race and not thinking about, ooh, what can I rhyme? That being said, listen, Lewis Hamilton was. He's, he's a somewhat older British guy. He probably didn't yeah, know what to ask. Fair. I mean, to be honest, when he stuck a mic, I don't remember. I think he said her, her name in like the second sentence, but like I had no idea who that was. I'm not cultured enough, unfortunately, <laughs> to like just spot the random musical artist and like know who they are especially when i don't listen to too many of their songs so i had no idea who that was until he said something but and she was also there for like cash app yeah i think and cash app's big on red bull i think yes if i remember correctly so like she was also like yeah she's obviously a huge celebrity a big following but she also was there promoing cash app so like she was kind of there twofold so Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-backed training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run, where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along The Planted Runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. 
Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. I think it was a fun 24 hours on social media, but um, hopefully this one, I think enough people agreed to the point where I kind of had a little bit of faith restored in humanity. I was super bummed, so I got home Sunday and I was just laying on the couch watching a little football, and Shannon texted me and said, oh my God, did you just see the F1 pre-race? Because I never watched the F1 in pre-race, and I missed it by like 20 seconds alive. So I had to wait for Twitter to do its thing. But yeah, I hope that's the last time we discuss that. What did you think, and now that it's it's coming up on my, my screen here, Alonzo versus Raikkonen. And the awesomeness of the FIA and Alpine radio call afterwards. I don't know if I could do this Formula One thing. I don't know if I could be one of the team principals or whatever. It's just too catty. Uh, you could obviously see what Alpine was getting at, but they're being so petty about it on the radio message. And I'm glad this FIA channel is there for everybody to see now because <laughs> that level of pettiness is not going to be well received, in my opinion. So. Because you could clearly see what they're saying, like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Didn't they just do it? Or what can and can't they do? And it's like, shut up. So I it's just hard racing. Don't need to. I think without the FIA message, it would have been a back page story. But I think that made it a little more juicy. Yeah, I didn't really see an issue with how Raikkonen came back on the track because he was hard racing. The Alonzo one, to be honest with you, I don't even remember. But we'll just leave it at that. All right, Matt, your driver of the day. I will go with Leclerc. Okay. P4, qualified well, had a pretty good weekend, all things considered, and was uh, con- or beat the McLarens. So I think that's a step in the right direction for Ferrari. Yeah, I will. I think this is the first time we've ever taken somebody who was a lap down, but I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel. Started... 18th, I think, finished 10th, had a nice little battle there with Giovinazzi towards the end and you know, got that car home and got a point, which is, you know, considering I predicted he would have a bad weekend, pretty impressive. So, and that's prob- that's the first point Aston Martin's gotten in in a handful of weeks at least. So good for him, especially when Lance was 12th, but never really felt like he was challenging in the points most of the day. So disappointment probably lando uh, by his own account lando said he needs to hold himself accountable for the mistakes he made i didn't see in the broadcast slash social media what mistakes he may be referencing but if he's just talking about like missing a corner here and there or going too wide or just not having enough pace um but you know he's supposed to be master classing ricardo this season has for i'd say most of the i'd say majority of the times he's been the better driver but ricardo Looked really good on Sunday, so um, we'll hopefully see her turnaround in Mexico. Yeah. Let me see here. I will go with – I'm going to go with Williams as a whole. For a <laughs> team that, that you said was more midfield than not, kind of was quiet all weekend and just wasn't on it. I think one of them changed an engine this weekend. I don't 
I could be wrong. I think George started last. Yeah, yeah, he did. So I mean, I know he he moved up like six or seven spots on the on the first lap, but kind of stalled out there and just they didn't they had an unimpressive weekend. All right, I'll turn it to you. I will say. Oh yeah, go ahead. Well, I I will say fourteenth and fifteenth is the midfield. Hey, yeah, technical. All right, whatever. Just just go on with our predictions. I had for good. I had Norris P eight, not very good. Uh, you had Ricardo P five. Better we'll count that. Bad, I had Ricardo 5th, not very good. You had Vettel 10th, not very good at all. Nope. Uh, top 10, wait, really? I had Ocon 19th, <laughs> yikes. Uh, you had Sonoda P9. All right, all right. Not my worst prediction weekend ever. That's pretty good. I feel like you have to, you pick Sonoda in one of the three categories every week, and it's usually bad or bad. Bad or Dark Horse top 10, yeah. Yeah. I only had one thing to talk about. Yeah. Other than, well, did you want to rant about ticket prices real quick for the Miami Grand Prix? Yeah. Yeah. So let me. Because I saw that you had shared that today. Yeah. I found it from somebody sharing out a, I think it was pre-sale information. So ticket prices range anywhere from a minimum for, I guess, I don't know if this is literally sitting on the beach or some beach terrace is 640 bucks to 880 at the low end all the way up to turn 18 which is 1200 dollars to 1550 per ticket yikes i mean that's just that's you're you're pricing out i mean if if you want your audience to be solely the richest of rich in miami yeah you're probably doing a good job but you're not going to get near the attendance that Circuit of the Americas got. So I don't know. It's ooh, that, that's a tough. I mean, I saw people today at, after seeing that were canceling hotel pre-orders and Airbnb pre-orders and, and what. I don't know if pre-order is the right word there, but you know what I mean. Reservations, I guess. So, yeah, it's I I understand it's it's almost like the situation with IndyCar in Nashville where maybe we need to understand more of what their target you know target market is first but for f1 which is trying to you know gain more of a foothold here in the in the u.s and obviously did a very good job of that this past weekend pricing yourself in the give or take a hundred bucks minimum of a thousand dollars a ticket you're eliminating probably a good chunk of the people that are have become formula one fans from netflix yeah I think it's a step in the wrong direction. I think one of the goals of Liberty Media taking over was just trying to get the more average fan to get to the track. And especially with some of these venues where you can fit 100,000 people, 150,000 people on race day, you're not going to need... I mean, I know Formula One's expensive, but you're looking at a new race. You're going to need three years anyways to get your money back. So you don't need to do it all in the first year. And I think this is a step in the wrong direction to have the tickets this expensive. And on top of that, I am on Google Maps right now, or whatever, Apple Maps. And as the road goes, Hard Rock Stadium is 8.2 miles away from the beach. So I'm really confused as to what the beach seating is. There's a thing called Snake Creek Canal behind the stadium. There's a couple of small bodies of water near the stadium 
but the actual beach is not close to the stadium. So I'm really curious as to what that entails. Maybe it's just a name for it, just a nickname for that area of seating. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I maybe you should just stop trying to use logic. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's 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 rough. But I'll let you continue on with whatever you got left. That was it for me. Okay. Did we have the Mexico is November seventh? Yeah. No racing this weekend. No. Anywhere. So listen to all of our old F episodes and maybe you'll win a prize. If you can find the oldest episode that's publicly available and listen to it, I'll give away a prize. I don't know what the prize is, but I'll find something this weekend when I'm in Indian in Indianapolis. How about that? Sounds good. And we do have a interview with uh, Frenchie that's going up on our YouTube channel, and the audio will be sent out as well on the podcast of books he's recommending for the holiday season. Oh, uh, this includes Formula One and IndyCar books. So Formula One fans will definitely want to tune in. He has a couple he liked one or two that maybe weren't his favorite and then his top four like all-time favorite books he's read and he's read a lot probably i want to say maybe hundreds i think it's hundreds of racing books and autobiographies leather-bound books in a mahogany bookcase no okay but that would be cool yes it would but he has like four tall shelves full yeah. of books so uh that should be coming out probably closer to like thanksgiving ish so two three weeks away here but uh we'll get that out there so you guys can listen to that as like bonus content and check it out on our youtube channel if you want to see our ugly faces well sorry one ugly face and a french looking guy i love it yeah i can't wait to listen i've talked to frenchie often about those books and i keep saying i'm getting around to reading one and then i never get around to it because well uh it's been a fun year so well I, I got to run this by you, give you a chance to scold me. I, I openly admitted to him in the pod or the episode that I have only read three books since eighth grade. And didn't you have to read in like high school and college or did you just like do the cliff notes crap? Yeah. Cliff notes. I mean, so did I. So, I have no room to talk on this one. I can't scold you. I have no room to talk. Well, so obviously when you say something like that, like I've read three books since eighth grade, it's like, haha, he's probably exaggerating. It's probably more like 10, 12. So, like, no, it is quite literal. And I couldn't even think of the third book. I No, it, I did think of the third book. Um, so I've read, since eighth grade, I've read Angela's Ashes, um, The Election of 18... Shh, I already forgot the name. I think it's The Election of 1812. Wow. It's one about John Quincy Adams versus okay. uh, Andrew Jackson. It's called The Election of Insert Year, The Birth of Modern Politics, and then The Beast by Jade Gers. Great book. <laughs> yes. Those are the three books I've read. Uh, I don't know. Are you? I just I suck with reading comprehension uh, when it comes to like an author trying to paint a picture through words, and you're supposed to imagine the scene in your head and like yeah. what plot twists are coming. Like when they just like you know, say like major plot twist, I'll just read right past it. And then like two pages later, the person's dead. And I'm like, what, how the, wait, hang on a second. I obviously <laughs> missed something here. And I just get like so frustrated. I just like tried, I just basically like gave up. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty much with you on that. I, I mean, I did also read a great book called Black Noon about the 1964 mm -hmm. Indy 500, which is definitely a must read. But 
I mean, my, my book reading is pretty much racing books here and there, or I also really like reading music biographies, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Nirvana, et cetera. I've gotten through in the last couple of years, but now that I'm on the road so much, I usually fall asleep when I, when I'm on an airplane or whatever and don't read. So I don't, I don't get all this much done as I have in a while, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to check it out and maybe I'll at least try to buy one for, for myself for Christmas this year. Maybe. I, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested. In, well, my dad has that split book by oh, yeah. I might try to get that. Sorry. I misspoke. It's the election of 1828. I knew 1812 sounded wrong. Uh, election of 1828, birth of modern politics. Well, it's basically how Quincy Adams and Jackson like got so low to like insult each other's wives on the campaign trail, which is like unheard of at the time. Wow. So and now we're here. Well, that's the end of our political discussion. Before there we, we get and ended off the internet, guys, thank <laughs> you for listening. We'll be back next week to preview Mexico and talk about whatever else is going on in the Formula One world. So please have a lovely weekend of racing. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.